Introduction How can we understand our world of seemingly endless human suffering? Looking back over history, it is evident that human beings have only very slowly emerged from a state of primitive barbarism. How can this fact be squared with the religious view that we originated as creations of a good and loving God? According to monotheistic scriptures, the original world of divine intent tragically never came into being because of human disobedience and consequent alienation from the Creator. Nevertheless, despite a long history of ignorance and brutality, humanity is undoubtedly endowed with a sense of good and evil, a capacity to recognize the existence of evil and yet believe our original purpose was good and that our ultimate destiny is also good. From this perspective, it is not sufficient to view history merely in terms of who did what when but rather to gain an understanding of the root causes of human behavior and how these have shaped our past and predict our future. In this book, we address both the causal forces of history and the manifestations of those forces in the behavior of individuals and societies, past and present. The scope of this examination is necessarily limited, and our primary purpose is therefore to highlight the individuals and events that had the greatest impact in advancing what we believe is a divine providence to enable humanity to fulfill its original purpose for being. To do this requires making certain assumptions about our origin and nature that might not be agreeable to some readers, but which we contend are a necessary basis for the interpretation of history from a providential perspective. New section, Good and Evil. Our starting point is this. The Creator is only good and endowed the original human beings with a nature that was an embodiment of divine goodness. Thus human goodness means that which is true to God's design and purpose for our creation, while evil is that which is harmful to that design and purpose. Apparently, our ancestors violated the innate laws of goodness, and we now suffer the consequences of moral confusion brought about by conflicts between our original good nature and an inherited tendency to do evil. In this state of ignorance and separation from divine love and truth, we too often do what is contrary to our original purpose and true self-interest. Thus to do good requires us to reject our inherited tendency to do what is evil by reversing the patterns of thought and behavior that first caused human alienation from God. As C.S. Lewis pointed out in The Great Divorce, good and evil cannot coexist. They are irreconcilable opposites and the conflict between them can be finally resolved only when evil is fully understood and totally rejected. I quote, Evil can be undone, but it cannot develop into good. Time does not heal it. The spell must be unwound, bit by bit, with backward mutters of deserving power, or else not. It is still either or. If we insist on keeping hell, or even earth, we shall not see heaven. If we accept heaven, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenirs of hell. 
end quote. The biblical account of how human alienation first occurred in the Garden of Eden contains insights into the archetypal embodiment of good and evil in the character and behavior of Adam and Eve and their sons, Cain and Abel. Although both brothers were alienated from the Creator because of their parents' disobedience, Abel was relatively more faithful and responsible than Cain. This relative goodness was demonstrated when Abel's sacrifice was accepted, setting him up as an exemplar of relative goodness who could be used to advance the divine providence. Cain's murder of Abel abruptly ended the prospects for good gaining ascendancy in the first family and established the paradigm of typically destructive Cain-Abel relationships. The providence was delayed by the murder of Abel, but Abel-type figures, followed by Abel-type families, tribes, and nations, would appear throughout history as humanity slowly advanced from the darkness of ignorance and evil into a more enlightened state. Over the millennia, religions and philosophies that encourage goodness emerged to teach the way of Abel, the path of responsiveness to the divine and service to others. Always imperfect because of the presence of Cain-type attributes in individuals and organizations, religions nevertheless serve to elevate human understanding and goodness. Throughout history, these efforts for good were opposed by Cain-type forces of resentment, selfishness, and materialism. Capitalizing on the shortcomings of religion, these destructive ideas and movements drew people towards materialist alternatives that appealed to their innate sense of altruism, but inevitably produced only more greed, jealousy, and violence. Nevertheless, the advancing enlightenment of humanity raises the hope that our fondest aspirations of achieving a world of goodness can be achieved once we finally learn to choose good and reject evil. This is the goal of spiritual growth. I quote, There is but one good, that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to Him and bad when it turns from Him. End quote. A new section. Marxism's challenge to Christianity. After the crucifixion of Jesus, the establishment and growth of the church was marred by sectarian rivalries, persecution of dissidents, and an inability to implement Christian teachings to create truly just societies. Unable to create a unified Christian realm, various branches of the church split off to pursue what they held to be truer interpretations of scriptures and better practices of the faith. The chief milestones of this history are the Great Schism between Rome and the Eastern Orthodox Churches in 1054, the Protestant Reformation in 1517, and the migration of pilgrims to America in 1620. Yet despite periodic reformation and renewal, none of the churches were able to maintain the high standards of Jesus or to create a model of godly life as taught in the Beatitudes. The kingdom of heaven remained an elusive goal the faithful hoped to achieve in a future end time. This Christian sectarianism, combined with the inability of the churches to create a just and equitable society, has given critics of religion an opportunity to propose materialist alternatives. The most important of these critics was German philosopher Karl Marx, 
who lived from 1818 to 1883. With his close collaborator Friedrich Engels, Marx spent most of his life blaming Christian and capitalist society for a range of injustices. The solution Marx and Engels proposed was based on an atheistic worldview that promised a pseudo-salvation through the creation of a godless utopia, a communist state in which each would give according to their ability and receive according to their need. Marx believed that existing economic systems and social institutions, from capitalist enterprises to religious organizations and traditional families, should be done away with. He prescribed violent revolution to bring about the changes he envisaged, believing that from the ashes of capitalist economies would rise socialist states, which eventually would become communist states. Marx claimed that, unlike Christianity, his theories were based on science. Marx died a frustrated revolutionary, but his theories were picked up posthumously by Lemon, Mao, and countless others to create violent revolutions and oppressive dictatorships around the world. These revolutions and the governments they spawned proved adept at making promises of a better world but would prove unable to build a single successful state. On the contrary, the radicals who carried out violent revolutions against existing governments became the leaders of ruthless dictatorships that were generally much worse than the regimes they replaced. The first Marxist revolution was led by Vladimir Lenin in 1917, leading to the establishment of the Soviet Union. The sheer cruelty of Lenin and the other leaders of the revolution would become embedded in the ruling practice of the Soviet state. Furthermore, the withering away of the state under socialism, anticipated by Marxism, never occurred. On the contrary, the Soviet state's insatiable lust for power became the driving force of the ruling Communist Party, shaping all its policies and practices at home and abroad. New section. A history of socialist and communist failure. The Soviet Union lasted 70 years before its socialist economy collapsed, the Communist Party imploded, and the USSR's constituent and satellite states gained their freedom. As the Soviet Union passed into history and most of its client states abandoned communism, China began to rise. Ruled by the ruthless Chinese Communist Party, the regime in Beijing has been able to survive for over 70 years by allowing its people a measure of capitalism. With relatively cheap labor and a market of 1.4 billion people, China has attracted massive amounts of capital from around the world, enabling it to become a major economic powerhouse that projects its influence and military might globally. Over 170 years have passed since Marx and Engels published their Manifesto of the Communist Party in 1848. This 23-page pamphlet explaining their theories would become the Bible of violent revolutionaries and totalitarian dictators alike. However, despite the long passage of time and the many Marxist movements and regimes that have come and gone, None so far has created an economically prosperous state or a politically just society. On the contrary, the history of socialist and communist states has been abysmal. Workers, 
purportedly the main beneficiaries of Marxist revolutions, consistently fared much worse than their capitalist counterparts, with much of the population living close to or in poverty, while the totalitarian ruling class enjoyed power and privileges reserved for the few. Furthermore, these dismal results were always purchased at the price of individual liberties and the ruthless suppression of dissidents. Tens of millions of lives have been sacrificed on the altar of the Marxist lie. As we will show, the chronic failure of Marxism to deliver on its promises is not due to inadequate implementation of the theory, but to the massive flaws in Marxism itself. A new section, Evil's Ideological Empire. Marxism-Leninism's failure to turn Russia and its subject states into the promised land and the revelations of Stalin's bloody reign of terror led many of its adherents to become disenchanted with the Soviet model of communism. Nevertheless, many of these followers retained the theory's atheism and anti-capitalism and continued to use dialectical materialism as a tool for criticizing society and promoting revolution. Beginning in the 1920s, the Frankfurt School, discussed in Chapter 14, began to draw parallels between the Marxist rebellion against capitalism and the social status quo, and Freud's theories on repression, especially in traditional families and society. They called their dialectic approach critical theory. Their influence was considerable in the West, especially during the 1960s, through the work of Herbert Marcuse, Wilhelm Reich, and others. Later in France, several leftist thinkers, notably Michel Foucault and Jacques Derrida, sought to do away with traditional society altogether, rejecting all absolutes, including scientific laws. Their theory was that institutions were little more than social constructs devised to satisfy the human hunger for power and shaped by the language of the powerful. They then used critical theory to deconstruct these institutions, identifying and isolating their weaknesses before seeking to change or destroy the institutions themselves. The leading personage in this movement was Foucault, who lived from 1926 to 1984. Rising to prominence by the end of the 1960s, today he is the dominant figure in the social sciences. His postmodernist theories are widely employed in Western academia, from where they have spilled over into school curricula, mass media, social media, entertainment, activism, corporate policy, and politics. And while Marx was primarily interested in politics and economic theory, and especially class struggle, as he saw it, the range of issues addressed in Foucault's theories is far broader. Thus, the scope of critical theories continues to grow and already includes anti-colonialism, critical race theory, anti-racism, white patriarchy, white privilege, white fragility, toxic masculinity, radical feminism, queer theory, gender studies, intersectionality, political correctness, and social justice. The thrust of these theories is deeply anti-religious and anti-capitalist, feeding on Cain-type resentment, envy, victimhood, and murderous anger. In the United States and many other developed countries, these theories are now entrenched in society and government. 
Those who oppose them in the name of traditional values and institutions are branded as racist, homophobic, and fascistic. Politically correct language, that is the terminology of postmodernism, is demanded of all. Most major media outlets and social media sites now accept the dictates of this radical leftist movement, suppressing speech and cancelling alternative voices. Marxism and neo-Marxism of the Frankfurt School and postmodernism are the main theories of the left and represent the culmination of Cain-type thinking and behavior. They make great inroads around the world because they provide an atheistic and materialistic explanation for the conflicts in history, and they promise a solution to suffering and injustice in the here and now. However, just as Marxism-Leninism failed as it spread throughout the world, neo-Marxism has also been unable to produce good fruit. The new theories justify violent revolution, but the violent rioters in the streets only produce mayhem and destruction, contributing nothing to society. In the meantime, the attacks on faith and the family are destroying moral values and producing social misery and chaos. A new section, The Final Fulfillment of Human Purpose. This book exposes the Cain-type nature of the Marxist and neo-Marxist theories of the left and presents the way of Abel as a desirable alternative. It looks at key Abel-type figures and entities in history that exemplified virtuous behavior and compares them with Cain-type figures and entities that tried to preempt the good with false imitations, leading to oppressive regimes. Most important among these able figures was Jesus, whose life of humility and service has inspired hundreds of millions of people across the globe to do good themselves. However, despite these virtuous efforts and those of other people of faith and goodwill, the challenge from the left remains undiminished, threatening humanity with destructive forces of materialism an unending conflict. This is the challenge that must be faced and overcome today. History demonstrates that forces of evil can be defeated and that the sacrifices of so many in the struggle with evil need not be in vain. To achieve an ultimate triumph of good, we can never accept the supremacy of evil. Rather, we must keep in mind our God-given destiny to live as a human family in a world of goodness and keep pressing on to achieve that goal. The goal can be achieved through clear knowledge of the danger and a resolute commitment to return civilization to its spiritual roots, this time pursuing the way of Abel to an irreversible conclusion. As always, the key to success lies in each person taking responsibility for his or her thoughts and actions. In our view, America has a special role to play in this. From its founding to the present, America has pioneered a providential path that weaves together spiritual and moral principles with political and economic objectives. Traveling this path has made America a uniquely blessed nation that has inspired movements of personal liberty, democracy, and free markets around the world. Thus, America is destined to lead the world in the cause of good, which is why we are so concerned about the steady erosion of America's founding principles. 
Without those pillars, the ideological armies of the left will relentlessly pull America down and turn it into a socialist or communist state enthralled to a malignant communist China. America must be saved from this fate if it is to fulfill its larger providential mission for the world.